Hey, 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 listeners, welcome back. To those of you tuning in for the first time, welcome to the Live with Irenia podcast. I'm your host, Irene Russell. I hope that you're having a fantastic summer. Listeners, what I love about podcasting is the fact that I get to meet a diverse set of individuals from all over the world. And this week, I am speaking to a fascinating individual, an award-winning author, Mr. Josh Linkner. And he comes with a background in the tech and innovation space. Before we get into this, I just want to invite you to listen to a new podcast which I'm producing and hosting. It's called the Techno Startup Podcast, and it's all about women in tech who are comfortable in their own skin, sharing their career and technology journey. They're sharing with us how they've built great technologies or how they've contributed in their corporate career to build great things. The conversations are fascinating, the individuals are unique, and they are from all over the world since I'm taking another virtual tour. So I invite you to listen to the Techno Status Podcast. It's absolutely awesome. Now back to this episode. As mentioned, I'm speaking with award-winning author, Josh Linkner, and he's been a founder and CEO of over five tech companies, or actually five tech companies, and they all sold for a combined value of $200 million. Now, this is the biggest guest that I've had on this podcast so far. Listeners, as you listen to this episode, I have a question for you. Can everyday people like you and me become innovators? I definitely would like to get your feedback. So please send me your feedback at www.irinearussell.org. In our episode, you know, Linkner is about to tell us how to become an everyday innovator, right? And he develops his hypothesis by telling us that every one of us can build our creativity muscle, you know. We took a deep dive into his career journey, the impact of mentors on his life who helped shape him to become the human that he is today, doing what he's doing on the current mission, which is to turn the definition of innovation upside down in other to cultivate what he calls daily micro-innovations, right? Josh believes every one of us can find ways to drive better results in life and business by building our creativity muscles. He demonstrates this in this episode, you know, incorporating creativity as a daily habit in our lives. Listeners, I definitely want to know if you do apply this methodology, what you think. So definitely send me your feedback now. Without any further ado, let's get into this episode. Welcome, Josh. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wonderful to be with you. Well, I am so excited to have you here on this podcast because I know that you have so much wisdom 
so many golden nuggets to share for our listeners as a serial entrepreneur. Well, happy to share both the, uh, certainly the successes, but perhaps more importantly, the setbacks, because that, that's something that, uh, that obviously we all have. And half of uh, being a good entrepreneur is dusting yourself off and getting back after it after you manage to screw something up. Let's get to know Josh. You know, how did you become the man that you are today? An author, a serial entrepreneur? We can go back as early to your young days. Let's do that. Sure, well, as mentioned, I, I grew up here in the city of Detroit. I'm a very proud Detroiter. And uh, I, I started playing music very early. Uh, I actually was playing piano by age eight and switched over to guitar. And that, that really just became my passion, which is creating stuff out of nothing. And that's, kind of what led me to become an entrepreneur, actually. I, I started my first company at age 20. I, and be, before that, I just put myself through college playing music. I was uh, very into playing gigs. I, I played professionally. And I had the opportunity to start a company and realized that starting a company was very similar to playing jazz, which is you're improvising, you're screwing stuff up and you're course correcting, you're adapting to changing circumstances, you're listening. And so ironically, the skills that I learned playing music were very helpful as I learned to build businesses. Well, that is excellent um, that you saw a synergy between music and building businesses in, in, in terms of that skill, that technique to adjust and readjust, right? Yeah, that's exactly. And, and finally, you know, people think of, of starting a company as this very glamorous thing. You know, you have some idea in the shower. And by the time you dry, dry off, there's a limousine waiting to whisk you off to, to fame and fortune. And, and that's not it at all. I mean, really, the, the, the process of entrepreneurship is pretty difficult. It's kind of like street fighting. And, and there's a lot of a recovery and adapting to changing conditions and, and, and figuring things out in real time. And uh, as mentioned, the, the, the world of jazz music does exactly that. So it allowed me, I think, the, the skill sets and mindsets to, to, to proceed. Um, so anyway, I, I had the chance to start my first company at age 20. I then, over the next 30 years, started, built, and sold five other companies. Uh, the largest was a company called ePrize. We designed, built, and ran digital promotions for large brand advertisers. So think of it like half ad agency and half software company. And ended up creating about 10,000 jobs. And it was a pretty exciting run before I sold the company in 2012. And then just kind of routing things out <laughs> in terms of my story, uh, I, I'm very passionate about our city here in Detroit. Uh, many people have left. I, I've always wanted to stay and, and help out. So uh, we started a venture capital fund back in 2010, investing in passionate entrepreneurs. And we said, maybe we'll make some money, but more importantly, maybe we can make a difference. And, and we started giving uh, entrepreneurs not only money, but, but support and coaching and mentorship and access. And we ended up helping about 100 startups to get off the ground and make a real difference in the city of Detroit. And then the last thing I'll just say quickly is that uh, because I'm so passionate about human creativity, if you really think about the, the, the essence of any successful business, career, family, community, it all gets back to creativity. And, and this is such a, a mythical, mystic topic. I, I've been trying to demystify that for people. So I actually just wrote my fourth book on the topic of how do you harness human creativity to drive meaningful progress. And, and this new one is called Big Little Breakthroughs, How Small Everyday Innovations Drive Oversized Results. 
All right. How do you draw your inspiration? Is it from family or from the business experiences that you've had? Well, I think that each person can be inspired by their own thing. I'm happy to share mine, but, but someone who's listening might draw their inspiration in a different way. And the good news is we can all really find different places for inspiration. For me, a few things. Um, I'm inspired by learning. I love to learn. I'm just sort of a lifetime learning nerd. So I get fired up and inspired the more I learn, whether it's listening to a podcast like yours or reading a great book or listening to a great lecture. I also get very inspired by sharing and teaching. So for me, if I can help somebody connect the dots and see an aha and, and, and come to a new conclusion, that is also very inspiring. I would say internally, I'm inspired um, by two things, both, so th those are obviously external things. Um, I'm inspired by uh, making a difference. I mean, it really is neat to be able to think about how can you make the world a little bit better and how can you help others. And, and then finally, I would say, I'm also inspired by this notion of trying to reach your full potential. And we all have different potential, but, and I don't try to measure myself against others. I try instead to say, okay, well, what's my potential and how, how am I tracking toward that? And so I think those, for me, those are the things that really drive me. Other than that, I would just say um, I, my wonderful wife, Tia, who, who I, whom I adore, I have four cool children and uh, they, they're very inspiring as well. Well, I love that you have many different facets, you know, where you draw inspiration from, whether that's learning or making a difference or you know, seeing people reach their full potential and also drawing on your family members. I think that's, that's pretty cool. You know, along your journey, through all of your vast experience, you've touched many, many people. Can you think of one individual who really helped to change the trajectory of your life, if any? Yeah, I can. Um... So one was my uh, grandmother, my, my paternal grandmother. Uh, for me, my parents were divorced when I was very young and they both became rather consumed in their own thing. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and she was very inspiring in that she, uh, she really made me think that anything was possible. I know it sounds like a postcard, but I really started to believe it. You know, she said, listen, you know, the only limit is, is, what, is your, your work ethic and, and how, how much you're gonna commit to something. And she really made me believe in myself and, and really believe that I could accomplish just about anything. So that was a very influential one for me personally. I think the other one is, um, I've, I've had the ch chance to have some mentors over the years. And one of them is a guy named Dan Gilbert. You might know his name because he owns here in the US, the Cleveland Cavaliers basketball team. He also is the CEO and owner of Rocket Mortgage. Uh, so he's one of those billionaire types, but I, I had a chance to work with him. He served on the board of my company, and then, then I ended up starting uh, this venture capital fund with him. And uh, he, he's a very inspiring guy. I learned from him, you know, how, how to think big, but also how to think small, how to, how to get into the details. And so I think those two were, big, were very inspiring all, along the way for me. Well, that's excellent. It's great that you, you know, you had a couple of figures that really helped to shape the trajectory of your journey along, you know, whether it's entrepreneurship and life. All right, let's get back to your book, Big Little Breakthroughs, How Small Everyday Innovations Drive Oversized Results. Tell us some more about this fascinating book that you've just published, and that is your fourth one, right? It is, yes, book number four. 
you know, this book, I really tried to turn the, the idea of innovation upside down. Most of us think of innovation as these big, giant, change the world things that are scary and risky and out of reach. We think unless it's a billion dollar idea, it doesn't count. And I think that's actually a very silly way to think about innovation. So this book is the opposite. It encourages people to cultivate small daily acts of creativity. Think of them as micro innovations. And when you apply creativity this way in a high frequency, small doses, it is way less risky, way more accessible. It, it is within the grasp of all of us and we're learning critical skills at the same time. Not to mention those little things add up to big things. So I think of this book as innovation for the rest of us. And the reason I wrote it is to help everyday people become everyday innovators. It's not written for Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. It's written for normal people like you and me that are trying to achieve better results. And that could be in their, in their business or their family or their health or anywhere around them. All right. Well, it's so funny how you say it's for everyday people and for normal people like you and me that you've created this book. And so I guess in the end, it doesn't matter what's your background, wherever you come from, your hypothesis is you can be an innovator. Is that right? Absolutely right. That's exactly it. And, and the thing is, it's not just for certain roles. You know, sometimes people think that unless you're in marketing or R&D, you can't be creative. I think every single role, there's opportunity to be creative. If you're in sales, if you're a lawyer, if you run a dental practice, if you're in customer service, every one of us can find ways to drive better results through creativity when we build it like a skill. And that's really what creativity is. It's a learned skill. The, the good news is that, and by the way, the research is, is crystal clear that all human beings have enormous creative capacity. We are built to be creative. That's our natural state. And so we can develop these skills, think of them as creativity muscles. And when we do, it becomes a very effective tool to win competitive battles, to, to grow, to get promoted, to learn, and ultimately make your biggest possible impact. All right, I love it. Build your creativity muscles. So as an individual who is thinking, I am not so creative, how can they go about building those creative muscles? Well, it always breaks my heart when I hear someone say that. And I hear that often because uh, the, again, the truth is we're all creative. You've, you've never met a kindergarten student that wasn't creative, but when we're adults, we, we sort of lose it a bit. And it's because of fear and, and, and well-intentioned parents and teachers uh, it's been said that we enter school as little children with a full set of colorful crayons, and then we graduate with a single blue ballpoint pen. And, and to me, again, it's a little bit heartbreaking, but here's the good news. The good news is that all of us can reconnect to the creative person that we already are with a very little bit of extra uh, focus and some small adjustments. It doesn't require years of study. It doesn't require expensive you know, equipment. Uh, it's, it's really amazing how quickly we can reconnect to those roots. So again, I think the first recognition is that we are all creative. And, and I'll just give you a quick example, if I may. In the book, Big Little Breakthroughs, I spent over a thousand hours in research and interviews. So I interviewed CEOs, billionaires, celebrity entrepreneurs, as well as many normal everyday people. But I also did tons of academic research, neuroscience research, business research. And, and some of the stories were fascinating. Here's a quick example. 
there was a study that happened in a university in Italy. They brought a group of people together that were all very similar in terms of age and, and wealth and education levels and geography and everything else, nearly identical. They divided the group into two separate groups. And then they showed each group a short video and then asked them to complete a simple standardized creativity test. The difference is the video that showed to one group was really boring. It was sheep grazing in a meadow. The other group though saw a really awe-inspiring video, like majestic mountains and you know incredible nature scenes and things. Anyway, that was the only difference. Two identically situated groups, each shown a video, asked to take a creativity test. And the group that was shown awe-inspiring footage instead of boring footage outperformed by, by over 80%. And the reason I bring the study up is that they didn't learn a new skill in that moment. What they did is it reconnected them to a skill they already had. So for those that might not feel that creative, we can actually get creative pretty quickly with just some small adjustments. And, and, and the way we look at it, and I can elaborate if you want, is you have to examine what are your mindsets, what are your habits, and what are your tactics. In this example, they changed a slight tactic and it made a big shift. That's absolutely fascinating. And, you know, you talk about mindset, and that's a big word or buzzword lately that everybody is using. And in business, you know, in life, having the right mindset will determine whether you move forward or stay along the same path, right? So let's break down mindset as it relates to creativity. And so in my research, as well as a lot of personal experience, I, I identified some patterns. It turns out there are some very common mindsets or beliefs of the most innovative people and leaders in the world. And I'm happy to walk you through them, but there's eight of them. And, and each of them are very much the opposite of what most of us think and have been taught. But they're pretty simple to apply. And of course, in the book, I, I share lots of examples and stories of them in action. Maybe, maybe I'll start with one or two and then happy to, 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 uh, to share more if you'd like. Um, one of them, which definitely applies to, I think, the folks listening today who are thinking about you know, their careers and such, it's a, it's a term, start before you're ready. Start before you're ready. Most of us, we wait. We wait until we have, uh, 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 we're told what to do from the boss. We wait until our, our game plan is perfect. We wait until um, we have all the confidence in the world or, or whatever, but, but basically we wait too long and we may miss an opportunity altogether. So the most innovative people do the opposite. They just get started recognizing that they, have, they don't have all the answers. They don't know the route to the finish line, but they move forward nonetheless and they, they experiment and course correct and adapt along the way. So this principle, start before you're ready, is a hallmark of innovators, but also a hallmark of people that enjoy success in all walks of life. There's another fun one that I'll share briefly, um, which, which anyone who works in a corporate setting will appreciate. It's called don't forget the dinner mint. Don't forget the dinner mint. And the idea here is that maybe you've been to a nice restaurant and at the end of your meal, the, 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 the server brings over a little chocolate or something and says, here, this is compliments of the chef. Well, because you didn't expect it, it totally transforms your meal experience. And as a proportion of the restaurant's cost, it was very small, but it made a big difference. So the concept for us in business, don't forget the dinner mint, is the idea of 
before you deliver a piece of work, whether it's an internal report or something for a customer, you, you, you add a little extra. It's a little extra dose of creativity, a little extra creative flourish. And, and think about it in terms of overall effort, 5% or less. So it's not a big extra, it's a little extra. But that little extra, and it could be in the form of over-delivery on a project or presenting it in a more compelling way, can just make a huge difference. And, and the reason behind this one is, is simply this. Competence is not a competitive advantage. I'll just say it again. Competence is not a competitive advantage. So whether you own a company or you're a team member, just doing good work or having good value or doing what you're expected, that's important, obviously. But that is, that's just the basics. That's, that's the minimum threshold. And if you want to stand out to get a promotion or to land that new dream job or to start a business or, or win a customer, the concept don't forget the dinnerment can be very helpful. It's that little extra creative twist that can make all the difference in the world. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for those two golden nuggets here, you know, as it, relates to building those habits of creativity and you know looking at the mindset listeners the book big little breakthroughs i'm going to drop the link in the show notes so definitely head over and take a look and definitely take a read you know because this is one book that you want to have in your portfolio of resources to elevate your mind to new levels. Now, Josh, we are going to get a little bit personal. You know, you talk about your love for the city of Detroit, you know. What are some of the things you've been doing over the years to give back to community? Well, I really do love Detroit. As mentioned, I was born in the city. My parents were born in the city. My grandparents were born in the city. And so this is to me a very special place. It's a city with a soul. And as many people know, this also is a city that has had its share of challenges. We were once a very vibrant entrepreneurial city, but frankly, we lost our way. We, we started creating these big corporations instead of creating uh, new ideas. And our city really suffered. And, and you name a problem, we've had it from racial injustice to uh, dwindling tax base and crime and all kinds of problems. But this is a city that's also coming back, which is something that I really am excited about. So I try to help wherever I can. You know, one of the things that I did personally, and by the way, there are many people doing way more important things than me. I'm just a small piece of it. But there's, um, you know, we, we, as I mentioned, we created uh, over a thousand jobs in the entrepreneurial sector. So these are you know, vibrant tax-paying citizens that are now participating in the rebirth of Detroit. I've uh, volunteered in the public schools to, to work hand-in-hand -hand with, with at-risk children. Uh, I've supported many uh, philanthropic programs around literacy and, and, um, and, 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 and trying to sort of break the cycle of poverty. Uh, and, and again, I, I'm not trying to take credit because there's so many more people than me doing way bigger things, but you know, I do feel connected to this city and any way that I can help is, is my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a friend of mine that I, I work with who's very into philanthropy is a really good way to think about it. You know, sometimes when we think about we want to contribute, we say, oh, I'd love to, but I don't have the money or I don't have the time. And so he actually came up with a really cool idea. He did the math and it turns out that 1% of our day, 1% is only 14 minutes. So he started thinking, what if each person could do just 14 minutes a day of help to others? 
And it doesn't have to be volunteering in a, in a nonprofit. Your 14 minutes could be contributing in, in, in your profession to, to somebody in need. It could be helping out a colleague. It could be making a difference in your family. But the idea is just taking 14 minutes a day of doing good, of helping others, of, of being of service. And he's really interesting. He talks about how that in his life, it not only made a difference for the world, but it made a huge difference for him. And it's funny, the, the, I've learned that the more you give, the more you get, not, not just money, but of, of effort. And so he, in his case, he said, you know, I'm a better father, I'm a better husband, I'm a better business person, be, directly as a result of him spending a little time every day giving, uh, being of service to others. And I think that's a nice way to look at it. You know, there are some people that can write a, a million dollar check. Most of us can't, but, but we all can take a little teeny bit of time and contribute in our own way and may end up making a real difference. That's absolutely fascinating. I love that. 15 minutes a day of being intentional in giving back and paying it forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, we talked about some of the mindsets. Um, I also just want to quickly talk about habits because, you know, think about that 15 minutes a day of, uh, of giving. You might say, well, what would I do each day if I wanted to become more creative? I want to share one of a very, very simple uh, habit that I do, and I would encourage others to do as well. Every morning, I spend only five minutes, that's it, five minutes a day to, on a very simple creativity ritual that gets me ready for the day and, and it lasts long into the night. And I, I cover it in the book, but I'll just share two little sections of it that are probably the most important. I spend one minute, so just keep in mind one minute of, of my five minutes. Uh, I call it guzzling, guzzling the creativity of others. I learned that in software engineering, if you want to change the outputs, you have to first change the inputs. And the same is true for creativity. So I spend one minute a day guzzling the creativity of others. I might watch a live musical performance on YouTube. Maybe I'll stare at a painting or read a poem out loud. The whole idea is I'm letting myself absorb the creative energy of other creators. Then I take one minute and I, I take on something that I call the unrelated problem. In other words, I pick a problem that has nothing to do with me or my business. I might look at, at the news and say, oh, what's a problem going on right now? Um, the spread of COVID, that's a problem. And I don't try to so solve it with one idea. Instead, I, try to, I take one minute and see, I, I ask myself, how many little ideas could I come up with, not to solve the problem, but to help the problem? Again, not to solve the problem, but to help the problem. So maybe one example of that would be um, helping people get transportation that don't have a car to get a vaccine. Maybe one idea would be um, passing out free masks to those that couldn't afford it. And so the idea is, like, think of this as like jumping jacks for your creativity. It's not applying to something in your personal life. It's just getting your creative juices flowing. And I would say to anyone listening, try it for two weeks. Just try those two minutes a day. I do five, do two minutes a day. One minute guzzling the creativity of others and one minute flexing your creativity muscles on an unrelated problem and going for high volume of small ideas, not one big giant idea. And what happens is if you do that every day, your mind starts to shift and creativity starts to become really part of who you are. Another fascinating idea. So are you suggesting that by this regular daily habits that one can rewire the way that they process information and become more creative? 
Yeah, the, the nice thing is that, like I said, it's, it's a learnable skill. I always joke around that creativity is much more like your weight than your height. And I, I'm a pretty short guy. And, and as much as I try, I'm probably not going to be an extra foot taller next week. But my weight, I can control. And of course, I can control that by diet and exercise. So creativity is the same. You, each of us can take control of our own creativity. It's not the amount of creativity that you were born with. You can, you can build that critical skill. And, and so that's what, you know, simple habits like that, simple changes in techniques can, can uncover a, a giant leap forward. All right. Thank you so much for this golden nugget. I appreciate this, Josh. Listeners, you definitely want to rewind this and listen to the habits that he mentioned and take a try, see how it works for you in terms of expanding and elevating your creative side. I love that you shared some of your habits already. And, you know, we all know that, you know, your energy, your vibe can be shifted as well with music. And as a jazz guitarist, you know, what music do you have that puts a pep in your step and a pride in your stride? <laughs> Well, I, I love many of the jazz classics. Obviously, everyone can have their own taste. I, I, it's more important that you like good music versus the, a particular type of music. But for me, um, I love listening to a, a recording called Giant Steps by John Coltrane. John Coltrane was one of the most influential saxophone players in history. Unfortunately, he died many years ago. But Giant Steps, to me, was is such an important piece. In, in jazz music, there's a certain way that one chord goes to the next chord. And think of it as a pattern, just like in language, there's a certain way you're supposed to speak. Well, John Coltrane decided to break those rules as far as he could break them. And so basically in music, think about a clock, you know, uh, it goes from, you know, 12 all the way around the circle back to 12. And if you, if you were on 12, the furthest you could go away from 12 is six. If you went to five, you'd be closer. If you went to seven, you'd be closer. Six is the furthest away you can go. And so if music is supposed to normally go from 12 to one to two to three, he went from like 12 to six, and then he would go from like five to 11. In other words, he made giant steps, which were the furthest way you could go from conventional wisdom. And this was a bold piece. It was very confusing to many musicians, but it became legendary. And in fact, that is his most famous and his most important work. And so I like listening to it, not only because I enjoy it, it's actually the ringtone on my phone because it reminds me to push the creative boundaries and go far from what's expected instead of stay close. Absolutely fascinating again. Thank you for that insight, you know. Josh, we could go on and on because you're such a fascinating individual, you know, entrepreneur, author. But one of the things I want to ask you you know, if there is one thought, one sentence, words of wisdom that you would like to leave with our listeners today, what would it be? Well, it's probably more of a thought than just a single sentence. But the, the idea is that um, we are all creative and creativity can become our superpower. And I would just think of it like this. Imagine right outside of where you live in your backyard, if you own a home that you discovered there was an oil well. 
and, and you ran some tests and learned that that oil that was on your property that you own is worth a billion dollars. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't ignore it. I'm pretty sure you would just get right after it and, 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 and get the value out of the ground. Well, your creativity is exactly like that. We all have that oil well inside of us. We have that, that amazing resource that's so valuable and it's our job to tap into it. And when we do, the things that we care about the most, maybe it's a, job, a new job or promotion, maybe it's winning an account, maybe it's taking better care of our kids or, or helping our communities. The things that we care about the most, we can achieve better outcomes, better results when we tap into that oil well. And that's the big thought that I would leave people with is that we're all creative, it's there for the taking. And the way you get it isn't in one giant, big change the world idea. You get there with lots of little ones, one little teeny breakthrough at a time. All right, that's awesome. Listeners, I invite you to absorb Josh's energy because he has some big creative energy. And Josh, if all listeners wanted to continue the conversation with you, how can they connect with you? Well, thank you so much for, for the privilege of being with you today. Um, I would love to connect with any listeners. I can be found at... Um, my social media handles are my name everywhere. So it's just Josh, J-O-S-H, last name is Linkner, L-I-N-K-N-E-R. Uh, further, I would really encourage listeners to check out biglittlebreakthroughs.com. Uh, you can get all my contact info there. There's also a free creativity assessment. There is downloadable worksheets. There's a quick start guide. You certainly can buy the book, but even if you don't, there's a whole toolkit of resources to help you tap into that oil well. So if you get a chance, check out biglittlebreakthroughs.com. You heard him, listeners, and I'm going to drop those links in the show notes. Josh, I just want to thank you so much for dropping those golden nuggets onto my listeners. We appreciate your wisdom and your experience that you've shared with us today on this episode. Well, thank you so much. Wishing you all the best and, and your listeners as well. All right. Awesome. Listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, hit the follow button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or head over to Spotify and hit that notification button or wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe to this podcast for free. Those of you who are on Amazon Music, you can most definitely listen hands-free on your Alexa. So be sure to tune in. We love our avid fans and we most definitely want you to know first when new episodes become available. Listeners, as we continue to build the Live with Irenia community, be sure to stay in touch with us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by following the Live with Irenia podcast. As well, email us at info livewithirenia at gmail.com to get your full transcript of our episodes. If you love reading blogs, head over to www.ireniaroussel.org to get our latest blog golden nuggets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. 
This interview was conducted remotely in my home studio. Listeners, I hope you find your new vibes in this new supernormal in 2021. I'm your host, Irene Roussel. 